Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Roots Away podcast. My name is Jason Ringenberg, and I'll be your host, of course. Today, we have a podcast about religion, spirituality, purpose, and everything in between. We all don't agree on our spirituality, but it's important to listen and to gain new perspectives. That's what Roots Away is all about. So today is a conversation with Elder Zach Gardner and Elder Von Der Watt of the Church of Latter-day Saints of Jesus Christ. We had a very good conversation and we connected humanly on lots of levels. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the episode. Have fun. Love each other always. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for this time that we have to meet together. We're grateful that we can be with Jason right now, and we're grateful for this time to talk about that gospel, and we ask at this time that we can have the Holy Ghost to be with us, and that it will soften our hearts and our minds so that we can feel of the importance of the things that we will talk about today, and we ask of these things in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. So, we're here with you guys. Um, could you give us a little background on um, who you guys are and uh, what you're up to? Um, yeah, so I'm Elder Zach Gardner. I'm, yeah, so I'm Elder Zach Gardner. Um, I'm from northern Utah, um, and I'm a missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I've been on my mission for just over a year now, um, and yeah, I I love being here. Um, before my mission, I like to do all sorts of fun things like, you know, riding motorcycles and skiing and dirt biking, and well, I said that earlier, but uh, um, yeah, I love to do all that stuff, but I kind of took a pause on that for um, two years to serve my mission and to spread the gospel because I know the peace that it's brought to my life and I want to bring that to the lives of other people. So I'm Elder Vanderwatt. I am also from Utah. I'm from, I'm like 20 minutes south of Salt Lake City. So I grew up there. That's where I've lived my whole life. Uh, I got six siblings, so I grew up in a pretty big family. I'm I'm currently on a mission too. I've been out for just over seven months now, and I'm really grateful for this opportunity that I have to be here. And like Elder Gardner said, just share that that peace and joy that Jesus Christ can bring to people's lives, and and also the change that it can bring in their lives too. Yeah, I mean that sounds awesome, guys. Like. I spent some time in Utah as well, and um, some of my bosses and some of my friends were, were Mormons as well, so I got sort of used to it, but I haven't really gotten like all that into it. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
how did you guys get into the church? Um, did you grow up in it or um, what, what was it like? How did you get into it? So I grew up in the church. My parents are both members. I have been going to church ever since I was a little kid. Um, so I was, I was introduced to the church ever since I was born pretty much. Yeah. Uh, similar story with me. Um, my parents both have been members of the church for my whole life. Um, but yeah, so I kind of grew up in it, but I didn't really care all that much about going to church and things like that until kind of later on in my teenage years where I was like, I kind of got to figure this out, whether I want to go with no church or this church or some other church. Um, and I ended up coming to the the decision that I wanted to stay with the, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, and yeah, then, then I decided to go out on a mission um, right after my senior year in high school ended. I, or right before it ended, actually, I submitted my mission papers, which is kind of just like, not like a college application, but kind of similar in process where you, you know, you fill out like your medical history and some other things like that. Um, and then I received a call uh, to go on a mission from the prophet. And then I was um, assigned to serve in the Nevada Reno mission. So, yeah, that's kind of how I got on a mission. And then I've been doing that for the past year since uh, last June. So I guess I'll explain a little bit about how I actually ended up on mission. You know, obviously we grew up in the church, but you kind of have to find a testimony along the way somewhere. It's not just you end up on mission because you grew up in the church. Um, so to give a little bit of background, growing up ever since third grade to 11th grade, I my parents put me in a school that was based off of the teachings and principles of the church. And so this was an environment that it was really good, you know, good morals, good principles were taught, but I just didn't really like all of the rules, so to say. <laughs> so I, I was a little bit rebellious, um, not, not mean or disrespectful in any way, but it's kind of like, if if you know the speed limit's like 30 miles an hour, you're just going to go do like 35, right? Or something like it was that kind of mindset. You know, I'm not promoting to do that, but that's kind of the mindset I had. Just like, you know, if they're going to, if I have to live by every single one of these little rules, I'm just going to kind of do my own thing here. And so when I got into 11th grade, I, I was just kind of done with all of the nitty and gritty rules there's so many. So I decided that I was going to graduate early. And so I finished my junior year and a month into summer, I graduated through an online school and kind of those last six months of my junior year, I, I started hanging out a lot with my brother, my older brother. And, and I also got to see a lot of his, his friends. My, my brother isn't the most into the church. 
he he's a member but he's not active um and so i gotta see i would say you know the normal everyday average person you know i i saw a lot of friends that i made through my brother you know turn to alcohol and drugs and i really gotta see this this life that i feel like a lot of teenagers or you know early 20 year olds because that's around the age of kids I was hanging out with what what their lives looked like and how they were living and I really didn't like where where their lives were at just the like the vibe I guess you could say was really just depressing and sad and negative Um, it was almost as if they were looking for a reason to be sad or or, you know, be be down just so they could have an excuse to, you know, get messed up. And so I didn't really like this group that I was hanging out with. I didn't really like this area of my life that I was in. And so um, I, because I was surrounded by these people, I too was just kind of almost, I would say sad. I wouldn't say depressed, but I was just in like a lower spot. And so I decided to finally just give it a chance you know my my parents and also with the school I was brought up in where you get taught you know read the scriptures whether it be the bible or the book of mormon um, go read the scriptures you'll find peace you'll find truth and so what I did was I drove to the temple because we have temples in our church and I just sat in the parking lot and I just would read through the Book of Mormon, and as I did that, I felt a lot of peace come to my life. I felt a lot of hope, which is one thing that was very absent in my life, and I feel like this was the starting point of where I started to gain, like, a testimony of the Book of Mormon and of the church, and this kind of just started to progress from there, and I feel like that's what led me to go on a mission is finding that that hope and peace that this brings where you can't really find that anywhere else in the world. Wow, that's that's amazing that you found that um in the church. Yeah, I, I can't say I've I've really found peace in, in religion in that way. So that's very interesting to hear that. Um what about you, Elder Gardner? What uh what brought you really into doing it? Um do you have the same sort of connection? Um, kind of. So I, I didn't go to a private school like that. I just went to regular public school. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it was my senior year. I was, you know, doing all the normal high schooler things. Well, normal Utah high schooler things, a little different. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I was hanging out with my friends and things. And a lot of my friends started talking about going on a mission and like, it wasn't something I had really considered. Like I remember like even five years back from before I turned 18, I was like just trying to think of like, why wasn't I going to go on a mission? Like what was going to be the one reason that I was going to be different and like not go on a mission? Cause, um, the church is pretty predominant where I grew up, um, just North of Salt Lake. And so I was like, I'm going to be that one different kid, you know? And, um then I like submitted college applications and I you know got things all set up and uh then really I was just 
kind of thinking about it and kind of praying about it. Like, is a mission something I really should do? Like, I know that um, all the young men in the church, like, it's a good thing for them to go on a mission generally. Um, I know there's always exceptions and things, but I was like, is this the right thing for me? And I was like seriously praying about it. And I kind of felt like, yeah, like you should definitely serve a mission. That was just kind of what I felt in my, in myself, in my soul, in my conscience, the spirit, however you want to word it. I think it's all the same thing. But so I kind of just followed that. I mean, I, I submitted my mission papers. I got my mission call. Now I'm here. Um, serving and I I've definitely had a lot of like really hard times where I'm like man I wish I could be doing anything else right now but I've also had so many good times where I'm like if I didn't come on a mission like my life would be entirely different right now like I wouldn't be able to meet these people right I wouldn't be able to have gotten the the testimony that I have now like it's grown so incredibly more much more than it would have if I was going to college right now I can for sure say that. Um, so yeah, my my testimony of Jesus Christ and um, his gospel has definitely grown while I've been on my mission. And it's, I would definitely say because of the hard times, right? You learn way more when you screw up or when times get tough than you do when it's happy-go-lucky, sunshine and rainbows. So absolutely. Yeah, that's that's super interesting, yeah. I mean, you grow as a person as well as growing closer to Jesus and, and to God and everything. That sounds awesome. Um, so, so you have to like submit to be on a mission. You ju- you don't automatically like just get into a mission, right? Um, so, you first have to kind of decide you want to go on a mission, right? It's not something that you're forced to do. It's totally your choice. So you first decide to go on a mission, um, and then you have a couple interviews with with some different people in the church, and then you are required to fill out. They used to do paper, but now it's all online just with technology. You fill out a couple online page documents um, just regarding, like, maybe some skills you have, some health stuff, you know, because if you have, like, health health issues, they don't want to send you to some foreign country that <laughs> doesn't have good health care, right? They want to make sure that you're you're staying up in shape. Um, so it's just, like, little stuff like that, and, yeah. And you don't get to choose where you go, or do you get to choose where you go? You, you don't get to choose where you go. So that's something that one of the 12 apostles praise about and assigns you to a specific area to serve in. Oh, that's interesting. Cool. So, um, what's like the most interesting thing that you've ran into on your mission so far? What do you mean by interesting? I mean like a standout moment, you know, something that like maybe was weird or something that was really cool or, you know, a strange moment. It's something that stands out. Um, I've definitely had, some like dangerous situations on the mission just where, like I felt like you probably shouldn't be here um but like you also find like unique situations just where you get to help people out and just 
see the change that Jesus Christ can bring in people's lives. So like, I feel like that's unique to a mission, right? You don't really get to see that too many times outside of it, or at least I didn't. And so I felt like that's been really unique and really cool to see as well. Yeah, definitely. I would say I kind of had like an interesting start to my mission because, right, so you you start your mission. Um, we go to what's called, it's the acronym is MTC, but it stands for Missionary Training Center. And so the one I went to was in Provo, but there's ones in like Mexico and London. And there's, anyway, there's a couple different ones around the world. Um, but I went to the Provo MTC and... Um, I knew I was going to the Reno, the Nevada Reno mission. And so, you know, you, I finished my three weeks there because that's all it is, is three weeks of like training or learning before you come on your mission for the next two years. Um, but then I flew all the way out to Reno from there. And then I had like the meeting on the first day where they kind of like give you like a uh, orientation kind of like a quick rundown like welcome to the mission field and also you find out like who's going to train you as a missionary or who like your first companion is and what your first area is going to be and I found out mine was Ely which is like a three-hour drive from Provo so it was like <laughs> I I get this like I figure out that I'm going to Ely so I like flew all the way across Nevada and then had to drive all the way back and I was like are you kidding me I could have I could have walked faster than this like so that was kind of a different experience but uh yeah <laughs> that's that's terrible <laughs> I've been to Ely there's nothing in Ely <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's funny. Um, so, like, what's your what has been like your best, like, most positive experience so far? Um, man, that's that's something I'd have to think on. Do you have something in mind off the top of your head? No, I just definitely think. Um, most negative experience. <laughs> I will say while we're both trying to think, generally, like, the most positive experiences I've had have been, like, when we are teaching somebody and they um, are pretty open to the hearing about the gospel, even if it's not, like, the thing they want to go for or whatever, right? We're, we're not trying to, like, just, oh, you know, find them and baptize them. Like, that's not that's not the goal, right? It's just to help people grow their relationship with Christ how and strengthen their faith however they may. So generally experiences where people um, are learning about Christ and are finding like their faith in him and um, especially like feeling the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, that's, that's generally been one of like the more powerful or better times on my mission. I think... What you said is so true. One of the best, most joy-feeling things, um, I guess just like the feeling of accomplishment. You know, the reason why I would say most missionaries come out is to help people, you know, to make a change in people's lives, to bring them closer to Jesus Christ. And so anytime you see that happen, you just feel like you've done something good, right? Right. Um, I think some of the times where I've felt that the most is 
in my last area, I was able to help a guy quit smoking. Another guy, we were helping him to quit drinking. Um, we got really close with the guy that was that had the alcohol problem. Um, he was doing a lot better. We were actually able to get the one guy that we were helping, his name is Butch, uh, to actually stop smoking for about a week, and then I ended up leaving the area. So I'm pretty sure he's still going, doing good now, but it's just like when you're able to see that change in people's lives, it it just feels really good. Wow, that's really that's really interesting and inspiring. Um, how do you find people that need that kind of help? Do they come to you, or do you like find them? Like, how do you how do you how do you find those people that need help? So, most time when we find people that we talk to or teach or, or we're trying to help out, you know, whether it be through through service or just helping them. Um, come closer to Jesus Christ. The way we find people is we go out and just like contact people on the streets. Like we'll walk down the streets a ton during the day. Like that's one of the main things we do and try and find people to talk to. And so I feel like that's how you find most of them. And then when you find them, you know, you obviously introduce what you're doing and just trying to say you're trying to help people out and, and, I've had a lot of people open up and, you know, a lot of times when people are going through those situations or trying to overcome something um, and they have that desire, then they're going to open up. You know, it's not something they're going to be ashamed of if they're actually trying to get rid of it. Right. And so I feel like they're, they're, they're ready when they see you. Like, it's weird because like that that's exactly why we we rely on God to guide us to those people like we rely on the Holy Ghost to guide us to know where to go before we start any day we always open up with what we call daily planning and before we do that we pray about it we just pray and you know say like hey heavenly father where do you need us to go today where do you where do you need us to be? Who do you need us to talk to? What do you want us to say to these people, right? And so at the end of the day, it truly is reliant on where God needs us to be. And and the Heavenly Father gives like a consensus to both of you at the same time? Or do you talk about it later? So generally... Um, generally we, yeah, we pray about it and, um, I, the spirit kind of works differently through different people. I found that's like (laughs) very consistently different between people, but I can say personally for me, um, a lot of times it'll be like we say our prayer and, um, either we just kind of are quiet for a minute and are just thinking about it and if something feels right then we'll follow that or it could be you know we open up the map and look at kind of like our our records of people that have been taught by missionaries in the past and be like you know what i think this area is a good area we should go to or uh even sometimes i mean people will request to meet with us um like i was talking about a little earlier before the recording got started um but there's like a website called comingtochrist.org where some people will um 
request to meet with us missionaries or request a copy of the Book of Mormon or they would like to pray with us or whatever it may be. So sometimes, you know, if that happens, then we definitely follow up on that. Um, but yeah, it's a, a lot of the time that's kind of how we find people is through, um, yeah, through either previous records or on the street, but, um, yeah, but you're right. It is very much through revelation or after, after we pray how we feel about different areas in our, um, of the city about what, what feels like it should be the right thing, you know? Yeah, so you just you just follow what God says. Yeah, understand. And that comes to you, like, from your spirit, right? And you just feel it, like, kind of in your heart. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Um, so what is, like, a normal day? I mean, I guess we kind of already went through that, but, like, what, would a, like, what are you going to do tomorrow? Like, what's your, what's your day tomorrow? Like, you know, like, what would a normal day being tomorrow be like? <laughs> so... Tomorrow, I mean, every day is kind of different, but it is the same at the end of the day. Tomorrow, we, to give you a rundown, we have service from 10 to 12. We're helping a lady paint her house. Um, After that, we normally have a, a little break for about like 45 minutes and just have lunch. And then we... I couldn't exactly say like what we're going to do tomorrow because we always pray in the morning and figure out what we're going to do for that day. But we would maybe go teach some lessons to any people that we have scheduled. We would go try and find people on the street that need help. We would go and try and talk to some people that we've talked to in the past that maybe we haven't heard from in a while. Um, If there's like some elderly people in the area that we might need or feel that we need to check on, we'll go do that. Um, Just like random little stuff like that, you just like slowly fills your day up and yeah. Well, yeah, that's interesting because I feel like a lot of people kind of see you guys in your uniform and they're like, oh, they're going door to door and like maybe annoying people, but it seems like that's not at all what you're doing. You're just out doing community outreach. Yeah, super cool. Yeah, I will say it, it definitely used to be that way in the uh, like the 80s and 90s, um, and I think for a while beforehand. Because like my dad, he served his mission in the Brisbane, Australia mission, um, and so he was he always tells me stories of how he like knocked on doors until his freaking knuckles bled. Like he was just like, that's all we did, and um, but yeah, it's definitely changed more because we found that that's one of I mean, through the years of missionary work that's been going on since, like, the 1800s, um, they they found that that's one of, like, the least successful ways of um, finding people who are interested. And so we kind of refrain from doing that, and also it increases the amount of people that are just bothered because it's like, why are you in my house? So, um, yeah, we generally try to unless we feel like a prompting from the spirit, unless we feel God telling us to do that or to go a different way, it's generally through people that have been contacted by missionaries in the past or out and about walking on the street because it's like they either 
It's like not at their house. It's not like a upfront feeling like threatening situation, right? Or it's somebody who's had positive experiences in the past and maybe their their life has changed and maybe their circumstances have changed or maybe not, you know. You you never know until you you try. All right, so here's the pressing question. <laughs> so, I mean, uh, to a lot of people that aren't familiar with the the Church of uh, Latter-day Saints, um, there is this polygamy thing, you know, that most people sort of, um, there's sort of like a bad taste in the mouth of most people because of that. Um, I don't know if you guys really want to speak on that or not, but uh, I, yeah, I mean, do you want to give it a shot? <laughs> Sorry. I mean, yeah, we we can we can definitely speak about it. Um, so a lot of times when this gets brought up, I feel like people don't understand that this isn't something that's been practiced for over. I think it's like over 120 years now. Like <laughs> we haven't done this in a very long time. Um, I don't know exactly why it was instituted in the first place, um, but I think a lot of people overlook the fact that there's been many instances in the Bible as well well, where this was something that happened, right? With Abraham, you have Saul, you have his dad, King David, right? I mean, those guys had an insane amount like and (laughs) why it happened back then I don't know right it doesn't make sense to me (laughs) it doesn't make sense to me um but it's not something that shakes my faith or shakes my testimony right I don't understand all of the mysteries of God and that's all right yeah that's a really good answer yeah (laughs) yeah I mean you know, a lot of people, when they think of uh, Mormonism or the, the church, they sort of equated to that. And I think it's, you know, I know modern day is not the same. Um, and, you know, there are like fundamentalist like offsets that I'm sure are shunned by the church. So, you know, yeah. Well, yeah, thanks for clearing that up, I guess. <laughs> um, so, like, if you could give like one really good lesson like like a starting lesson that you would give to somebody that's interested you know because you said you guys like give like lessons could you like uh like give us a little like snippet of one of those so one of the first lessons that we like to bring up with people kind of depending on the situation we'll either talk about one of two things so the first is the restoration of the church Um, That kind of goes over how God restored his true church here again to the earth. Um, And we'll talk about in that lesson how it was taken off the earth. And maybe, maybe I'll jump into that now, but I'll just mention the second one as well. We talk about something we call the plan of salvation. And depending on the needs of people or, you know, what kind of position their, their life is in at the moment, um, we'll teach either one of those two normally Um, The plan of salvation just goes over where we came from, uh, why we're here right now, and where we're going and what we have the potential to become because we are children of God, right? And so I guess 
we'll give like a little rundown on the restoration if that's what you want. Yeah. So, um, like Elder Vanderwatt said, um, kind of the first like point in the lesson, the first like key topic is um, that God is our loving Heavenly Father, right? Where we are not just created by Him and kind of in like an adoptive relationship with His title being Father, but we are literal, like our spirit um, is literal offspring of God. We are his literal children and he's our our actual father in heaven. Um and so he he loves us an incredible amount, which is why he's sent us to earth, why he's let us go through these trials and troubles of life. Um and also why he gave us a savior, why he gave us Jesus Christ so we could become perfected through him. So we know that Jesus Christ gives us his teachings and his commandments and his gospel so that we can live the happiest lives possible, right? He's the one that created us, our Heavenly Father and his son, Jesus Christ. So they know what's best for us, right? And so they obviously give us that guidance and the way they do that is through through prophets. And they've done that throughout time, right? We see from the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, you know, Adam was the first prophet, and we can jump to many different prophets, right? Like Noah, Abraham, Moses, we could go on and on. God always uses prophets. And so we always love to talk about Jesus Christ, how he came here and set up his church here on the earth. And he set that example for us as well, right? He went about doing good, serving others, showing perfect love, perfect mercy, right? And he set up his church with apostles so that when he was gone, because we know that he had to perform the atonement for us because we knew we weren't, he knew we weren't going to be perfect coming here to this earth. And one thing that we believe in is if we make mistakes and aren't perfect, we can't make it back into our Heavenly Father's presence. And so the whole purpose of Jesus Christ is that through his atonement, we can change our lives and use his atonement to be forgiven, right, because of his grace. And so that was one of the big things that he did. And one of those, one of the roles in that is that he was, he was going to die for us as well. And so he knew he would be taken off of this earth at one point. And so he left his apostles to run his church, right? But I guess we have a question for you. Do you know what ended up happening to all of his apostles? I can't say I'm very well versed in uh, in religion in general, but I'm sure they got killed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah so that that's pretty much what ended up happening. Um, one thing that I I like to touch base on, or I, I guess not touch base on, but I'm going to mention, I'm actually reading through the New Testament currently, which talks about all of this, right? Um, if you look at what his apostles were doing, uh, the time that they were on this earth is they were leading and guiding the church. If you look at all of the epistles that Paul wrote, it was correcting the different churches. So you see the need for apostles even right after Jesus Christ was here on the earth, setting that example, 
right? And so you can only imagine what happened to all of the truths that were taught after a hundred years after the apostles were gone, right? They probably got really mixed up very quickly. If they were already getting mixed up while they were here, then they definitely were going to get mixed up um, after they were gone. So that was one one reason why we needed a restoration. Um, another big point that we like to bring up is the authority that was given to the apostles to go around and spread the gospel, but also to perform certain ordinances, right? To you, Do you know what an ordinance is? So to give an example, baptism is an ordinance, right? Um, it's, it's basically baptisms like a commitment you make with your heavenly father in our church. It is, you're promising to become, to, to do your best to be like Jesus Christ, right? You do your best to act as he would, and you do your best to follow the commandments. And so you see that a lot of people made that commitment back then, right? If you, the apostles taught if you have that desire to follow Jesus Christ, then be baptized, right? And so you had to have the authority to perform those ordinances, and Jesus Christ gave that authority to his apostles, but that authority was lost when his apostles were killed, right? And so, Harold, can you take over? Okay. Um, yeah, I just wanted to clear up just one thing, which was... Um, it wasn't like the apostles getting killed that was a problem. I mean, yeah, big problem for them. They're not really alive anymore. But um, for some reason or another, there had to be 12. And I don't know the exact reason, right? But we see that um, Matthias, right, he was chosen as another apostle when um, one of them got killed off because there needed to be those 12. And um, that priesthood authority was very important on the earth. Um, that authority to right teach teach the gospel and to baptize in the name of Jesus Christ um, that was given to his apostles by by him um, and we believe that through time that those kind of plain and precious truths were lost um, I like to think of it like a game of telephone right have you ever played that where it's like you start on one end of the room there's the guy at the other end of the room what happens every time you get to the other end and it's completely backwards not because any of the people well hopefully not any of the people wanted to screw it up on purpose but it's just that's the way things are right without like a, a divine authority or without like a correct source every time right we've always got the person at the front that checks checks in at the end to see what it really should have been um, and so we believe that that priesthood authority was lost and that eventually more and more apostles were getting killed off faster than they could replace them, faster than they could gather together back in those times and ordain or set apart or, um, I guess, create doesn't sound like the right word, but essentially um, set up another apostle. And so that's part of like the big reason why we believe that there was a falling away of the gospel, why there needed to be a restoration. And it's not that Christ failed, because he absolutely didn't, right? He served his purpose as a prophet. He lived a perfect life. He came to this earth to set up the organization of the church, and then just through time, things got 
a little changed around. So we needed, like, we believe we needed a, a restoring of the gospel back to the way it was when Christ set it up perfectly, right? So then we believe that another prophet was called. Um, it was a little while later. It was in the Americas, right? It it was in this land where there was freedom of religion, freedom from persecution, and that um, then we believe that um, there was a, a young boy named Joseph Smith. He lived in New York. He lived on a farm. He was, you know, poor as could be, had about a third-grade education, right? He wasn't the the mightiest or strongest of men, and we can see in the Bible that a lot of the prophets aren't, right? And a lot of the apostles weren't, right? We we look at Saul that then became Paul. Um, and so, yeah, then we believe that Joseph Smith was called as a new prophet for this new dispensation or time of, like, dispensing of the gospel, right, among the world. We see in the Bible that there's lots of times of apostasy and then where the gospel is, where there is a prophet that's living. And for a long time on the earth, right, there wasn't one after Christ. And so that's kind of where our church differs from a lot of other ones. And so something I, like I said, I've recently been reading through the New Testament, and it mentions it a couple times where it says that there will be a time where people won't know the truth, right? And I can maybe pull it up. I'll I'll try and find it. It's in the book of Hebrews, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but we see the need for a restoration, right? Not a reformation, not a change of things, but Christ's church restored here back to the earth through him. And so we... In nineteen no eight in the eighteen what am I thinking in the eighteen hundreds, um, Joseph Smith was trying to find the answers to the questions of life, right? He was curious about religion, and so he would go to different churches, and one preacher or pastor or wh- whoever you want to call it, I'll just call it a preacher. One, one preacher would say one thing for a certain church, and then he would go to another church uh, at a different time, and they would say something completely opposite. And these preachers would contradict each other, and they would argue about certain topics in the Bible, right? And so we see the confusion of the people on the topic of religion and also the meaning of things in the Bible, Right? There was nobody to answer those questions. And so he went to the Bible himself and he was reading because he felt like that's where he could find real truth because that's where truth is written, right, is in the Bible. That's a decently accurate record. And so he went to the Bible and was reading in James chapter 1, verse 5. And I might not say this word for word, but it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not. So that pretty much says, if you have a question, go and ask God about it, right? And so that's exactly what he did. And he went into a place where he felt like he could 
connect with God and where he felt the most at peace, which was in the forest behind his house. And so he went there and he was visited by Jesus Christ and Heavenly Father. And so we like to quote his words word for word. And so I'll I'll say that he said, I saw a pillar of light exactly over my head above the brightness of the sun, which descended gradually until it fell upon me. When the light rested upon me, I saw two personages whose brightness and glory defy all description. Standing above me in the air, one of them spake unto me, calling me by name, and said, pointing to the other, This is my beloved son. Hear him. And so from there, Joseph Smith was instructed that all of these churches are doing their best to teach what they know, right? But they didn't have that full truth. They didn't have that full understanding. And so he ultimately commanded Joseph Smith to restore his church back here to the earth through Joseph Smith. And Joseph Smith was given that authority, which we we call it the priesthood. Um, It mentions it a couple times in the Old and New Testament, but that's what it's called. God's authority is called the priesthood. But one of the key roles that came with the restoration was the Book of Mormon. Joseph Smith was commanded to translate this ancient record of God's dealings with the people in the American continent. And for me, the Book of Mormon, I feel like the role that it plays is if you read from it, you will come to know for yourself for yourself, the truthfulness of the restoration, that it was an actual event, that it actually did happen, and that this is God's true church here again restored to the earth. And so a challenge that we, we always leave with people is to read a chapter from the Book of Mormon. Um, we, we always love to challenge people to read Third Nephi chapter 11. This is where Jesus Christ came to the American continent after he was resurrected, and he set up his church here, just like how he did back in Jerusalem. And so it's a very powerful chapter. Um, and... It's definitely one that you can you can feel the spirit when you're reading it, and you can feel the truthfulness of it when you're reading it. And so we always challenge people to read that so that they can gain their own testimony and then to also, which is very important, pray about it. Because just like James chapter 1, verse 5 said, if you have a question, you should definitely pray about it, right? Pray with faith. Pray with that knowledge, knowing that God is going to answer your prayers, right? A lot of times people pray about it, but they don't really have that desire to get an answer, right? They're just like, all right, I'll pray about it. Uh, You think God's going to answer that kind of a prayer? I don't think so. (laughs) Well, wow. Wow, that was very insightful. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to believe that Jesus came to America after he was resurrected because, I mean, in the New Testament, does he just rise back into the clouds, right? I mean, I think that's the normal, like, telling of it. How would he have, like, gone to the Americas after? Um, 
So I guess first to start that off, I would say Jesus can do <laughs> pretty much anything, right? Um, as long as it's righteous. But, um, and I could be wrong about this, but the way I'm pretty sure it um, is, is that Christ, right, right after he was crucified, um, before he um, was resurrected, right, he says to the the thief on the cross, right, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And this kind of gets into the second lesson, but we believe that, that that paradise and when Jesus went and preached to the spirits in prison, that that wasn't heaven and hell per se, but that it was kind of before, like, the final judgment, before, like, um, it wasn't, it, anyway, it wasn't like the end, the end goal, paradise and prison aren't, um, and so we believe that it was before he was resurrected and had received that physical body that, um, he had, he had come down and visited the people in the Americas, right, we hear on the Sermon on the Mount where he says, many sheep I have which are not of this fold, um, but there shall be one fold and one shepherd, right and i interpret that as he is going to um visit other sheep other peoples in the world that um are not in this land are not in jerusalem which is why we believe that the book of mormon right it takes place in ancient americas and so he's yeah so we we just pulled up this scripture for Jason. It is John or yeah, John chapter 10 verse 16. And this is Jesus Christ speaking. He says, "And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd." And so right there in the New Testament Jesus Christ is telling the people that he has to go visit some other people, right? He has to bring them. And all of these people are going to be one fold, right? Because he still loves all of the, he loves everybody on the earth. And so he wants to give everybody the opportunity to have this gospel. And so we see that Jesus Christ says that he has to go visit some other people. And the Book of Mormon is that record of those people that he did go and visit. So why did he come so late or did he go to the like Native Americans first or why was the prophet Joseph Smith so late, like way later? Do you, is there a reason for that or do you know? <laughs> I would say it is all according to God's timing and God's will, right? I think some things had to be put in place first. I think, um, there was a lot of places where the gospel could have just died out from persecution and persecution, right? And there definitely still was persecution among the early saints um, that were following the prophet Joseph. Um, but I definitely think a couple of things had to be put in place for that restoration to happen, right? We had to have um, the Revolutionary War, right, and uh, a place for the gospel to thrive where there was that freedom of religion, right? We saw some people trying their best to to um, restore or reform the gospel back to its truth or how they thought was true, right? We see um, the Gutenberg Bible was a big step. We see Martin Luther. We see Calvin, right? We see a lot of people where 
they really were trying their best to um, follow Christ, and that's like a very noble thing. Don't don't get me wrong. Um, but then I think just things lined up, and the timing was right where um, the gospel could be restored in the 1800s um, by Jesus Christ and God through Joseph. Right? It it was definitely later than could have been expected, but it's all up to God's timing, which is way different than ours. Yeah, definitely. I love that. Just on God's timing, because God has a plan. You know, he has those mysteries that we were talking about earlier that we sometimes fully don't understand, but we do see that people were persecuted back then. You know, that's how most of the apostles ended up dying was because they were rejected and killed. And I just pulled up this scripture that talks about, um, I, I like to think, the apostasy. Um, There's a Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. And so it says, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables or fables. I think it's fables. <laughs> fables. <laughs> okay. So I so he came when, when it was okay to come again, where he felt that it would be accepted again. Is that sort of? Well, yeah. Cool. Um, sweet. Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> you know, come when, uh, come when you're wanted. Come when people need you or want you. Yeah, cool. So um, a hard question I like to ask any religious person is, if there's a, a God that loves everybody, why is there so much suffering in the world? So this will be my short answer. There's definitely a much longer answer, right? We could make a whole nother podcast about this one question. But, um, and this isn't the perfect answer. This isn't the right answer to every situation. But definitely, um, like I said earlier, when I've had a lot of hard times on my mission, I have grown way more during those times than during the, the times of peace, the times of good. Um and I won't say that it's deserved, right? I won't say that, you know, children getting cancer is like, you know, an act of God smiting somebody. I do not believe that at all. Um, but I I will say one thing is that I think God blesses us in spite of our hard circumstances. And he doesn't um, necessarily always give us the hard circumstances. I think all good things come from God, and sometimes God will let us go through suffering caused by the adversary, right? He, the Satan, the Lucifer, I mean, he's the, the author of all lies. And so I'd say that God definitely blesses us in spite of the hard times, and I don't think he causes them, but sometimes he could let us have hard circumstances to um, strengthen us as people, to give us more knowledge, to, um, in some cases, grow our faith. But I wouldn't say there's really, that's not a perfect answer, of course, but that's kind of a general, why do bad things happen to good people? 
So the, the answer that I have for this is a scripture that I really love from the Book of Mormon. This is Second Nephi chapter 2, verse 11. And it says, For it must needs be that there is an opposition in all things. If not so, righteousness could not be brought to pass, neither wickedness, neither holiness, nor misery, neither good nor bad. Wherefore, all things must needs be a compound in one. For if it should be one body, it must needs remain as dead, having no life, neither death, nor corruption, nor incorruption, happiness, nor misery, neither sense, nor insensibility. And so, one of the key things that it said in here is, if you don't have one thing, you can't have the other. If you don't have your bad days, you're not going to know what a good day is like. And if you don't know what a good day is like, you're not going to know what a bad day is, right? And so I I heard this. It was a talk given by one of the apostles, I think, or, or maybe it was just a quote I heard somewhere, but it said something along the lines of, I don't like to think that God gives us challenges, but I do like to think that he allows us to go through challenges so that we can grow, right? And so I don't like to think that because we go through hard times in this life, God doesn't love us because that was one of the biggest reasons why we came here is so that we can go through these hard times because <clears throat> as we go through these hard times and go through these hard days and and honestly, life, life is hard sometimes, but we grow a lot from that, right? Those were both very, very good answers to that question. <laughs> Thank you guys for that. <laughs> very insightful. Yeah, I know. Like, So like when it rains, it pours, right? And then when it's not pouring anymore and the sun comes out, you're like, yes, you know, you're like, you're like, finally, like, I feel great now, but you wouldn't. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to like feel that. You wouldn't be able to feel the the sunshine without the rain. And so it's a very, very, very good um, answer to that question. Yeah. Hmm. How long are you guys uh, on your mission for still? So I have 15, no, seven. Oh, wait, and then I, <laughs> my math ain't working. I think it's 17 months still. So I still got a good minute. I've got uh, just under 12, 11, 11-ish months. So I've been out for one year. I've got one more left because we serve the elders or the the boy missionaries, young men. We serve for two years, and then the sister missionaries, the young women, they serve for 18 months. And so, yeah, since I've been out for a year, I just hit that the end of June, then I got one more. So, What are your plans for after your mission? Um, Nothing's like set in stone, but I'm thinking I want to go into something automotive, like probably diesel mechanics or something like that. Just a hobby I had back home was working on trucks and cars and 
dirt bikes and stuff like that. So that's that's kind of my interest. So I think it'd be going be good to go into something that I already have kind of a passion for. So man, I'm just looking at the screen and realizing how quiet I am this whole time. So sorry for everyone listening. Um but I right now I have accepted and deferred my acceptance for two years to BYU Brigham Young University. That's a very <laughs> typical classic like uh, stereotype for missionaries, but um, I prayed about it because I was either going there or to the University of Utah, and I prayed about it, and I felt like the answer I had received was go to BYU, so that's where I'm going. I don't know if I'm still going to go there or if I'm only going to go there for a year or like what the the real plan is because um, on my mission I figured out I really like using like a camera for videoing or editing video like all that kind of stuff like I've been making like uh, we don't have access to YouTube as missionaries but like a YouTube style video just to send home in like my my letter every week just because I've I found that's kind of a fun thing to do. Um, so if I could figure out how to... <laughs> they're whispering about me. Um, if if I could figure out how to turn that into a career, whether it is like a YouTube channel on the side, that'd be fun. Whether it's, um, you know, working on like TV commercials and ads or like TikTok commercials or whatever. Um, something along those lines. Maybe I go to Hollywood and pretend to make money when I'm really just broke. Um, <laughs> um, I Yeah, so something with a camera or with editing video, I think, like, they say, you know, do what you love. Like, that's something that I think would be really cool to figure out how to do, how to have a business doing. So that's kind of my plan is to explore that, pursue all the avenues of what that could turn into. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and you guys are obviously going to stay with the church for your whole lives. Maybe do you think it's definitely like a lifelong thing? Definitely. Definitely is a lifelong thing. Um, I don't see any reason why, why I would leave. Right. Um, I feel like the more and more I'm in it, the stronger my testimony gets, obviously, and, you know, people always say, like, oh, what if you lose your testimony or what if you find out this? That's something as missionaries we come across so much. It's just like people who are, like, antagonistic towards the church. You know, they bring up whatever topic they might think that we haven't heard. And we've heard it probably 50 times over. <laughs> and they try and say, oh, the Bible says this. And um, honestly, I haven't ever come across anything that has shaking my testimony to the point where I say like, oh, this isn't true, right? And I feel like my testimony is only going to keep growing and getting stronger and stronger. And so I definitely think I will be a lifelong member. And I would say I I probably will be too. So we were talking about the word ordinance earlier, which I define as like an, an action associated with a covenant or like a two-way promise with God, right? God sets the terms of the promise and we choose to follow them or we don't. And so one of the big covenants we make is baptism or is at the time of baptism where we covenant or we promise, make a promise with God 
that we will do our best to live like Jesus Christ for the rest of our lives. And so in that sense, it's definitely like a lifelong thing, right? It's it's kind of up to us whether we want to keep our end of the deal with God or whether we don't. Um, and right now, I definitely do, right? I've I've come across all sorts of the the anti-material of like, well, what about this? Or this guy said that. And I think when it comes down to it, all of the gospel truths are really easy to find. And like a like fundamental gospel thing isn't going to be hidden away in some corner of some website, which knowing me, I've probably visited. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I would say that I was, I can't imagine there being a time where I'm not going to church every week or where I'm, you know, not participating in the activities or where um, I'm, like, falling away or not actively participating in the church. I just, right now I can't imagine that even though, like, I know that everyone's everyone's life changes, right? I'm not going to be the same person that I am now in 10 years, but I don't see a reason to fall away even if there is some some big thing that comes out right it's all in all it's was that person even if they are like a part of the church were they acting in the way that christ would if yes okay well then we don't have a problem if no okay well then they shouldn't have done that it's like as simple as that right if if they're not following christ then they're not representing him and they i mean they're not representing him that that kind of comes down to it whether so you know, whenever I hear about some sort of something or he said this, she said that, it's like, well, were they acting as Christ should? Yes or no? Like, that that kind of answers whether it's a problem or not. So. Yeah, well, your guys' faith is, like, very admirable, you know? I don't know if I could commit to anything for the rest of my life, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, one other thing that I forgot to ask is uh, how do you guys sustain yourselves on your mission? Do you pay for it? Do you have to work? Does the church pay for it? How does that work? Yeah, so there's a there's a set amount that you pay before your mission um, that goes into most of the funding. Um, I think it's about like four hundred dollars a month. So over time, that adds up to I think like just yeah, just under ten thousand. But they do change every now and then depending on, I don't know, economy. (laughs) So I have just a a little bit of insight into this. Um, Not a whole ton. I don't know a whole ton of specifics. But I know back when uh, my dad went on his mission and he came from, he was child number seven of nine kids. So he's known a lot of brothers and sisters that have been missionaries back in the 70s and 80s and 90s um and so like for him when he went on his mission it was like how much you gave to like the the missionary fund the general missionary fund for like the um well I guess it wasn't that way that back then but what you contributed to your mission was based specifically on where you were assigned which is kind of a bummer because it's like you don't get a pick where you're going on a mission so it's like if you get assigned to an expensive area it was it was more expensive um but nowadays it's um 
Everyone, we all contribute. Yeah, it's like a flat rate. We all contribute that four hundred dollars or that ninety six hundred over the course of two years, um, and that goes into the general missionary fund for the whole church. So in you know less expensive areas, some of that money is going. That leftover money is going to be used towards the more expensive areas, and vice versa, right? Um, and so it's it's very much like a flat rate. And because I didn't come on my mission from Ethiopia or somewhere, I don't know if it's different there. You know, based on I'm sure the church takes into account individual circumstance, right? If you really honestly cannot, you know give up that amount to serve on a mission i'm sure there are other ways that they've got it i mean they've got it figured out right they're they're a lot smarter than me on how how to spread the gospel but that would be my answer on how how that works but yeah we this is entirely volunteer we pay to be out here we don't get paid like we get an allowance every two weeks for like groceries and things like that but like our apartment is covered under that um, missionary fund and, like, the car we drive and things like that. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how that works. Huh, that's very interesting. Yeah, I always wondered how that worked. Hmm. All right, well, it's been an hour and eight minutes. Um, <laughs> that was a very interesting conversation. Anything else you guys want to say before we go? We just want to leave you with that challenge that we were talking about earlier to just read a chapter from the Book of Mormon and just to pray about it. And we'd love to talk about the experience you had when we do this again, if we hopefully do this again. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally open to doing that. As long as you give me a Book of Mormon after this, I'll I'll, yeah. I'll do the challenge. Yeah, yeah I'm out for it. <laughs> and uh, if anyone else that's listening along at home would like a copy of the Book of Mormon, it's... I mean, we can get you one if it's not necessarily us missionaries, right? Um, the The church has a website called comeuntochrist.org. Um, there's also the Spanish one. I believe it's veneracristo.org. Don't quote me on that. Um, but, um, yeah, the local missionaries in whatever area you're in would definitely... I mean, they would absolutely love to provide you with a copy of the Book of Mormon. And um, even if you don't want to meet with them, just, like, be straight up about it because, um, like, we want to help people gain a testimony of Jesus Christ so our tendency is to come back. So it's like if <laughs> if you don't want the missionaries to come back around, like, just, just tell us. We're not going to be offended or anything. But, yeah, we absolutely that comeunterchrist.org is a great resource it also talks about some other people who've had experiences with the missionaries in the past. But yeah, we can totally provide a copy of the Book of Mormon free of charge. So, Sweet. Well, thanks for being on the podcast, guys. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. All righty. See you guys later. Well, 
That was a good conversation, I thought. <laughs> if you liked it, give it a thumbs up. Recommend it to your friends. This is a new experiment for me, so it's very exciting. I love you if you listen to it. Stay positive. Be yourself. Learn new things. Learn new perspectives. Be kind. Be honest. Love everybody. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Roots Away. See you next time.